share your story? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? So Paul's backtracking now. How are they even to believe if they never heard? Here's here's the thing about evangelism. When I say the word evangelism, let me first define it. If you don't know what evangelism is, it's being sent by God to spread the good news, the gospel. Being sent by God to spread the gospel. It's the spread of Christianity. It's the spread of the message. And, and, And when you hear the word evangelism, the natural response to that is to kind of shrink back and go, oh, I don't think so. That's, that's your job, pastor. That's not mine. Because when we think about sharing our faith with somebody that we don't know, that, that frightens us to death. And that fear is crippling for us because it prevents us from ever sharing our faith with people we don't know. I was going through a class this past semester in seminary where that question was asked of me often in one of my evangelism classes. When was the last time you shared the gospel with somebody you've never met before? That question right there fueled my fire for evangelism because always evangelism for me was like the ugly stepchild to discipleship. I heard discipleship all the time at Gateway Church. I engaged in discipleship a lot more than I ever did evangelism. And so I was in this class on evangelism and that question was asked, when was the last time you shared the gospel with someone you didn't know? And I, and I had to go back years. And for many of you, I assume that's, you know, that, that could be the same for you. If ever, when was the last time you shared the gospel message with somebody you didn't know? That question was sobering for me. And it also lit a fire as I began to think about, well, why would I share that message? Well, when you think about your own life and you think about your testimony and you think about your hope and your future and your redemption and your freedom and your blessings and the provisions that God has given you, when you think about all those things, it would be ludicrous for us not to share Not to share how somebody else can taste and see that the Lord is good. But when we think about doing that, we're like, oh, good night. That's going to require me to do some things. It requires me to be vulnerable. It requires me to spend time in the gospel, knowing what the gospel is so I can communicate it. Because I don't, right now, I I don't even know what I would say. I'm not quite sure to articulate that. Or I, I may get rejected. Or I may look funny and fail. You know, Scott said, I don't know how Zach's going to, I'm sure Zach will tie in that, that cheese it game, you know, to the message. But here's the reality about evangelism is that there were a lot of Cheeto balls thrown at the heads up here this morning. And notice how many of them didn't land. Notice how many of them didn't land. But that's not the point. That's not the point of evangelism. Because we're going to see here in a second, it's not your job. It's not your job to save somebody. That's God's responsibility. We're going to see you can partake in that. But it's not your job. You cannot save anybody. The Holy Spirit 
God alone is who saves, not you. And so you can rest in that. This isn't all dependent upon me. It's all right if I throw some Cheeto balls and miss. That's all right. But how are, how, how, how are they ever supposed to hear back to the passage? How are they ever supposed to believe if they never hear? If they've never heard it, how are they supposed to believe? How, and then Paul continues to peel it back. And how are they to hear without somebody preaching? And preaching doesn't just look like this. Preaching just doesn't look like this. It happens wherever you're at. It can happen wherever you're at. My, my, my brother and his wife had their second child this week, and so we were sitting up in the hospital waiting for the child to come out. Um, and I was sitting there with, with Lauren's mom, my brother's wife, and I was thinking about evangelism, and there was this Pringles can sitting next to me. And, and, and I took the Pringles can, and I gave it to Lauren's mom, and I said, I want you to share the gospel with me and incorporate this Pringles can. It was a test case. It was for my own entertainment. I'm sick. You know, she was like, oh. you know, but I, I just, but what she said this is the point I want to make, is that preaching just doesn't look like this. She, took, she looked at the Pringles can, she stopped for a second, she goes, well, following Christ um, has layers to it, like this Pringles can. Following Christ has layers to it. And she said, what I mean by that is that you can know God on a deeper level day by day, is what she said. Following Christ has layers to it. And what she was saying is that there's a relationship with the God of the universe president. That's the good news. Because in order to know somebody and to continue to get to know somebody, there's a relationship that's available. And so she took this Pringles can that I sat in front of her and shared the gospel. It does, preaching doesn't look like this. It happens where you're at. How are they to preach unless they are sent? Here's the reality. Our strategy of Sabbath, disciple, send, it's biblical. I mean, we didn't just pull those out of our pockets and say, that sounds good. If that were the case, we would have never chose Sabbath. Because when we talk about Sabbath, it's like, what? What is that? Okay? It's biblical. Being sent is this right here? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Do you understand? That is part of who you are as a follower of Christ. God wants to send you to proclaim the good news to people around you. Because of the love and the redemption that he's shown you in your own life, he's inviting you to partake in being sent. Just like when Jesus, Jesus tells his disciples early in his mission, come on, come follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Or at the end of his ministry, when he's about to leave and go back up to heaven, he's like, hey, just as the Father sent me, so now I'm sending you. God 
God's purpose for you is to live sent. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. What does it look like? What would it look like for you to be sent? And I've talked about this passage with our students in TPX and one of the questions I asked them, if somebody looked at the bottom of your souls, what, it, what would it reveal about your lifestyle? Where have you been? Beautiful are the feet who proclaim the good news. What would the bottom of your souls look like? How then will they call on him in whom they have never believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without somebody preaching? And how are they to preach unless somebody has sent? Understand, it all starts with this. Gateway, it all starts with being sent. That's Paul's logic right there. He unravels it. It all starts with being sent. Someone will call on the name of the Lord and believe only when first somebody is sent. Understand, you are supposed to be sent. As a believer, that is what God is asking of us. And look at the great privilege of that task. Through us being sent, through us preaching the good news, God partners with us and somebody through the work of the Holy Spirit, not us, will call upon the name of the Lord and believe. What greater privilege is there than that right there? We, we, as a church, we love to stand up here. I mean, we love to sit out here and we'd love to hear people stand up here and share their testimonies because we love to see what God has done in their life. We love baptisms. We love getting to witness people giving their lives over to Christ. We love that. We celebrate that. We get excited about that. There's nothing better than that because what it is, it's just God's glory. You get to see God's glory. That's all that is. When we choose to be obedient, to be sent, we're putting ourselves in the posture of seeing God's glory. And you get to be a part of that. What greater purpose, what greater privilege is there? What greater mission is there that God has given us to get to partake in that? Flip to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Starting in verse 5. So again, Paul's the author of 1 Corinthians, this letter to the church in Corinth. There's this dispute. Again, there's a division going on in the church. Over um, Paul and Apollos, and people are arguing about, you know, who, who's the guy, who's the real deal, yada, yada, yada. Who are we going to follow? Verse 5, Paul says this, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? What he's saying is, who are we? Who's Apollos? Who's Paul? 
servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. These were two figures in the church that were sent to proclaim the good news. And people were like, oh, whose side are you on? You know, who are you following? Paul's like, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? But just servants who were sent, whom through you believed as God assigned you to them. Servants from whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. Ask yourself this question. When was the last time I went through my day thinking about God has assigned somebody to me today. God has assigned somebody for me today. Think about the bigness of that. What great privilege to know the God of the universe assigned somebody for me today. That through me, through my willingness to be sent, God will work through them and they will call on the name of the Lord. What greater privilege is there? Verse six, I planted, Paul saying, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who waters nor he who, uh, neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. It's only God who gives the growth. Back to that, what, what I was saying earlier. You can relieve some of the pressure off yourself and evangelism of being sent by realizing it is only God who causes somebody to come to salvation. He partners with you, you partner with him. It is God alone who does that. Not your reasoning, not your well-planned out script, not your ability to argue, None of it, not your humor, not your ability to relate the gospel to a Pringle cam, none of that. Because a lot of us will sit here and say, well, I can't, I can't, I don't, I can't think like you. I don't, I don't, I can't, you know, I don't know what you know. You know, I don't know how to articulate. I, you know, I just, I can't do that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can, because John 14, 26, Jesus is going, he's saying, hey, the Holy Spirit is your helper. I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you. He will give you everything that you need. Everything that you need, he will give to you. The very words for you to speak to people. I trust that. I trust that verse. I trust what Jesus says. Right now, I'm trusting that verse. That the Holy Spirit will give me what it is I need. God gives the growth. And so you can relax. Going, this doesn't all fall upon me. My role in this is to be sent, to be obedient, to be aware of the fact that God has assigned people to me. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. Verse 9, 
For we are God's fellow workers. Who's, who, who's evangelism for? You. For we are God's fellow workers. Evangelism isn't just for some. It's for all of us. You are God's field. And you are God's building. What Paul means when he says that you are God's field, we think of this is a, when this is written, this is in an agricultural time. And so when he's saying you are God's field, we think about the, 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 the agricultural fields, that fields, you know, they produce things. They're meant to produce harvest. And so when Paul is saying you are God's field, is God wants to produce a fruit, wants to produce a harvest through you. Because you are co-workers with him. You have an assignment. And he wants to produce fruit through you. You are his field. Evangelism is for you. Being sent is for you. Well, what does it take to be? What does it take to, to produce fruit, to be God's field, to, to be God's coworker, to be able to go out and be sent and communicate the gospel? What does it take? Well, when we think about a field, what does it take for harvest to, you know, plants to grow, crops to come? Well, the rock's got to be removed. It's got to be tilled. The weeds have to be managed. The soil has to be watered. So if you're sitting here going, okay, I get it. Evangelism is for me. God's asked me to partake in his work with him, you know, but I don't know where to begin. I don't know what to say. I don't know where I'm supposed to go. I don't know who it is. My heart's just not in it. When you're talking, I don't even get passion for this. This must not be for me. How do I do this? It first starts with your field. What rocks need to go in your life? What needs to be tilled up? What needs to be watered? What weeds need to be chopped down? You know, when I think about rocks needing to go, one of the questions, you know, that I, that, that I think about is what, what, what is God break, breaking me of? What, what breaks my heart? I ask myself that question often. What is breaking my heart lately? Like you would break this rock down in a field to get rid of it so you can till it and so, you know, you know crops can grow. What is, what is God breaking my heart for? Because when I think about that question, it leads me to where God is wanting to send me. When my heart breaks for certain situations or when my heart breaks for certain people, I go, God, that, that, that's your God-given desire and passion to go and share the good news and to go love on them. So ask yourself that question. How is God breaking you? What does your heart break for? Because you're God's field and he wants to produce things in you. And you're God's building. You are God's building. You are his temple. Back in the Old Testament, everybody had to gather in this one place of worship. Here in the New Testament, you know, post post Christ, you are the temple. You are God's temple. Christ lives in you. You are his building. All of us connected. We are his body. We are his temple. 
And when he, so when Paul's saying you're God's building, is that we're, we're asked to be a part of building that and we're asked to take care of it. And part of building the body of Christ, just like Jesus says in John 10, there are some sheep that are not of this fold yet that I still need to go get. I'm leaving the 99 to go get the one. There's some sheep not of this fold yet that I need to go get. There are some people in this community that God has assigned to you that you need to go get for the sake of building up his body. Because think about, let's go back to Romans for a second. Think about this. Paul wrote the letter to, to, to Rome because he wanted this church in Rome to be the hub of him going out to new regions to share the gospel and plant new churches. Just think about this for a second. What if, what if we became so united in the gospel and so purpose-driven through evangelism, that Gateway became the hub of other places. What if? What if we all live sent? Part of the nature of evangelism is growth, right? Because I hear it all the time. Ah, we're, we're low this Sunday. I was shallow. We've been low for a while. What's, what's happening? What's going on? Part of the nature of evangelism is growth. God intends, just like Jesus said, there's sheep of this fold that I still need to go get. There's growth happening. You know, I was having lunch with somebody who said, you know, we used to have whole families and whole people in rows. People would fill up an entire row. What happened? The row you're sitting in, we need to, we need to live with such purpose that the row you're sitting in, that's your row. That's your faith. That row you're in is your faith. Take ownership of it. Fill that row. Because it's part of your purpose as a follower of Christ is to share the good news. Yes, some Cheeto balls will fall. But God's asked you to scatter the seed. He'll take care of the rest. That row you're in is yours. What would happen if we became united like Paul's intended purpose to write to Rome if we, if we became united under the gospel and lived with such purpose that we became the hub of something greater? We sent people out of here to go plant new churches. We sent people out of here to go be missionaries. The sending piece never ends. What if? 
For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. It's all of our responsibility to be sent. Last place I want to turn to before closing. Proverbs chapter 11. Verse 30 says this. This is why this is a purpose of the church. Not only because you see evangelism from the beginning to the end, and God pointing to his son, the prophets pointing to his son, Christ pointing to himself, Paul pointing to Christ, so on and so Beginning to end, you see evangelism. Not only is that a reason why it's a purpose of the church, also this, Proverbs 11.30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And whoever captures souls is wise. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And whoever captures souls is wise. That's what it means to, that's the intention of being sent. To capture souls. And what this is saying, what Solomon is saying here, is that the fruit of a righteous person, the fruit of somebody who has faith in Christ, is walking with Christ, the fruit of that person is they capture souls. They partner with God to capture souls. The evidence of their walk is that they've led people to Christ. Ask yourself, when is the last time I shared the gospel with somebody I didn't know? When was the last time I asked myself, God, who have you assigned for me today? Because the fruit of a righteous person is one who captures souls. And we have to get that. We have to pursue that. Because if we're just going to come in here and talk, let's just stop. Let's stop what we're doing. I'm not interested in faking it. And I'm not interested in talking anymore. I'm interested in in walking this thing out. Let's walk this thing out together. Because the fruit, the fruit of a righteous person is somebody who captures souls. What, What greater mission is there? Then get to be a part of somebody who's been set free. There's nothing more rewarding. I can promise you, if this is new, if you've never engaged this, I can promise you there's nothing that will be more rewarding than getting to experience somebody's transformation because you were willing to say, yes, I'll just, I'll communicate, God. Your spirit better communicate, but I'll open my mouth. It's a wise objective, and here's why it's a wise objective. Here's the last thing I'm going to say. It says it's a wise objective to go out and capture souls. The reason why it's wise is because captured souls last for eternity. When everything burns, when Christ comes back, redeemed souls don't burn up. They'll be with God in eternity. That's why it's a wise objective. It won't burn up. It's worth giving your life for. Let's pray. God, first and foremost, we're thankful that you came and shared the good news with us. 
Because that's where this all starts, God. And if we miss that, this just becomes this Jewish piece of obedience that we do, that we got to try to. No, it starts with, we're thankful, God, that you came and shared the good news with us and that you convicted us and, and that we were able, the opportunity to able to call out to your name to be saved. Thank you for that, because you didn't have to do that. And God, I pray that our response to that as a church is that we would, we, we would be so compelled by your love that we would go share the good news with other people, that we would choose the most wise objective there is, and that's to partake with you to be co-workers with you, to be your field, to build your building, to capture souls. That we would choose that. God, I pray that you would, you would give us confidence. In John 14, 26, it says, your spirit is our helper that we would have confidence walking into situations that you're gonna take care of us. You're gonna accomplish what you've set out to accomplish. God, there's nothing that gets in the way of your plan, not even our mistakes. Not even my mistakes. Nothing gets in the way of your plan. And so we can have confidence as we walk out and live out what you've asked us to do. God, let a fire in us. And don't leave us. We need your presence. We thank you for who you are and what you've done.